I'm Chris Greenspawn. Did you ever stop to think? You're listening to the vacuum seal. That in every room, somebody has got the biggest spicy sausage in that room. This episode's guest is Ember Knight. Last fall, I saw Ember do a comedy set at Bridgetown DIY. Knock, knock. Instead of telling actual jokes, she asked us who had the biggest Is This is a safe place and a private conversation. Everybody cover your ears. And nobody in the safe space claimed it, so she called God. Dear God, this is Ember. Are you there? Hello, my child. This is God speaking. You know what to do. That didn't work, but she got a call back from Satan. Hello? What's up, Sam? Who offered to make her rich and famous. Really? Yep. But you're gonna have to start writing actual jokes. And then bullied her into killing herself. Being dead, she got naked and enjoyed not having to write jokes for a little while. But right now, let's listen to my interview with Ember Knight. Ember's been performing her whole life, but she's only been doing comedy for about three-plus years. So uh, I developed things early on just based on, like, being in the room and being bored and just thinking, like, if I was stuck in the audience of this show, what would I want to have happen? Like, what would fucking wake me up? What would make me excited to be here? And so I develop weird stuff, like me and my friends being a human carousel where audience members come ride on our backs and we move in slow motion or, like, stuff where I climb around the audience and, like, take money out of people's wallets or, like, you know, things would emerge because I needed to write short stuff that I hoped would be memorable and stick so I wouldn't have to, like, wallow around in the trenches of comedy for, like, 10 years before I got noticed. Though these devices are pretty silly... Knight says she's really trying to bring people together by asking how big their dicks are. Listen, comedy is not about bringing people together. It's about freedom of speech. And the only way to know if you have freedom of speech is by saying mean things. And if somebody doesn't like it, they're trying to steal your rights. So the piece that you saw came from ultimately, like, this struggle to both be exciting and dynamic and new, but also to not be hurtful. And in comedy, the way comedy is right now, it's like so adversarial. It's been for years so much like good guys, bad guys and being offensive on purpose. And like, it's very hard to write any material where no matter who's in the room, they feel included. And, like, they can walk out of the room feeling good, you know? There's often, like, a sacrificial lamb in the audience who's getting fucked over. (laughs) And so that piece, I was trying to write something that was really exciting, but also was for everybody. Okay, same. See, actually, I think that's where you're wrong, because I think comedy as a format is kind of problematic and a little bit behind, and I think the new frontier... Oh, 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 what? What? Oh, I just didn't realize it was the frontier of comedy to use a vaguely racist accent to talk about dicks. It's not racist, it was just a silly voice. 
spoken like a true racist. Because of all the racism and ethnocentrism being passed off as protected speech, I asked Ember what free speech means to her. I don't have any kind of good political philosophy because I just think people should live in groups of like 200. And in that scenario, what you say should be dictated not by laws, but by social norms and what's polite, you know. But you don't have to worry too much about what's polite if you're in a small community, because if you're rude to people, they will ostracize you and it will really affect your life. (laughs) So I think it's only possible because of the Internet and because there's so many of us that you can be like, I'm going to offend one group in order to get closer to this group. And that is your social currency for a particular sect of people. But even that is evidence that people want to, like, be in smaller communities. If you if you want to push a bunch of people away so you know who your people are, to me, that's just a cry for a tighter-knit social group. There's a particular line in Ember's bit that makes me wonder, is there a connection between antisocial behavior and all the consumerism on TV? Of course, Satan has the answer. Find something you buy at the store. Comedy just makes you sound enough to buy it. Find something you buy at the store. Find something you buy at the store. Comedy just makes you sound enough to buy it. It's more of a summary of a sentiment than an actual fact, but comedy television is riddled with upper middle class culture and like stuff that makes you want to go shopping. Like, I remember finding out that the wardrobe on Parks and Recreation was all like from Anthropology, which is a really fancy women's clothing store. And these shows that are supposed to represent regular people and be super relatable in conversation and in content, they're advertising these insanely fancy apartments and houses and lifestyles. And like you watch this shit, you watch people interacting with each other. And, you know, you're a primate, you're a mimicker, and they're having these impossibly clever dialogues, and they're living in these impossibly shiny situations. And how the fuck can you watch that shit and walk away with, like, a deeper understanding of your own humanity or, like, know how to socialize? You're going to walk away from something like that and interact with someone as though you're an improviser or, like, a comedy writer, but in real time. And then you also have to look really good. And I think that because of television, we have this weird triangulation in a one-on-one dialogue where there's this, like, imagine, I mean, in this case, there is a third party. (laughs) But if we were alone, I think mentally we fill in this third party that's observing. As though I could say something that was, like, at your expense, and you would appreciate it both as yourself and as the studio audience. Well, I'd rather kill myself than live in that world. Oh, really? Check your back pocket. Like I said earlier, Satan pushes her and pushes her to give up her convictions until she shoots herself. But that's not what actually happens. You're not dead. Satan reappears and tells her the gun is just a prop, and she's not dead, she's just naked. Why did you take off your clothes? That comes less from being actually suicidal and more from, like, wanting to quit. From moments of despair of being like, I don't want to make art anymore. I don't want to write anymore. I can't do this. I quit. And then God's like, okay, you quit. Good for you. Back to work. (laughs) Like there's no escaping whatever job I have to do. Being myself, I have to do it. Then Satan finally gets Ember to tell actual jokes. Yeah, so... uh... 
I was giving a blowjob the other day. Um, anybody given blowjobs before? <laughs> Very cool. Um, and it was, uh, is this what you want, Satan? <laughs> so you mentioned Hello? that you create some of these big, physical, visually recognizable things so that you don't shit-kick your way through 10 years of boring stand-up. Is there something you want to do after that, or do you want to get even crazier with those things? Um, There is a, a real truth to a part of the act that you haven't asked about, and that is that I'm afraid that I cannot write jokes and that I cannot do the stand-up that I've written a whole act to say that Satan wants me to do. One level of that is that I don't feel like I need to bring sand to the beach. There's a lot of straight stand-up, but there's also a very true fact that I can't do it. I've tried. I try to write a tight five that I would be able to take to clubs, and uh, I, it's not. I can't do it. It's not me. I'm a good writer. I can write in a lot of different genres, and that is certainly a point of insecurity. <laughs> but while that is true, it's also a little bit irrelevant because so many people are doing comedy the way that comedy has been defined and established. Uh, and rather than say that I don't know where I'm going to go next, I would say that I've always not known and I'm always trying to be innovative and make a weird world and build elements onto that weird world and construct a mythology from dust <laughs> and build something up that as a fan you can get interested in. Say, say, wake up! Is this good? Oh yeah, that's really good. That's good. This is what you want. Um, so uh, I actually have to skip out, but um, you keep it up. Great work. And uh, we're going to get you up on that TV real soon, buddy. Okay? Tony! Conan, baby. <laughs> okay? Wait, Satan! Yep, what's up? Before you go, I just have one question. Okay. Do you? <laughs> oh, good morning. Do you not have the biggest pasta <laughs> sausage in this room? Do you feel like at the end of that piece, you defeat Satan? Because you sort of ward Satan off at the end of the piece but I don't quite totally get how it happens. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, in the piece, we all as an audience ask Satan how big his dick is, and Satan gets very defensive and chooses to hang up the phone. You know what? Fuck you. I'm out of here. I'm a nice voice. It's coming back to the silly place that it started from, the thing that Satan hated, and saying, like, Satan wasn't trying to help me out. Satan was trying to stop what I was doing. Satan wasn't coming in and saying, you don't have a lot going on. Let me give you tools to, like, be successful. Satan was trying to stop something that I was doing that is threatening. And that thing is everybody being silly together. And I think that is, like, the ultimate, coolest, most useful kind of vibe to create. Would you rather do a show where you're just silly instead of pointing out these things? I think at a point where that could be successful, a show wouldn't be necessary. I think that, you know, for little kids, yeah, but for people who are, you know, older than 11, there's a lot of hurt and betrayal, and you need to take some time and justify and kind of walk people through the steps of why they should be emotionally vulnerable enough to have a silly time. 
I mean, if I had done the full 10 minutes just doing the sausage man or doing derivatives of it, people would have laughed, but it would have been like olive oil and, and vinegar, like perhaps through all of the olive oil, they would have laughed, but then there'd be all the vinegar at the bottom of the bottle. I actually don't know which one's heavier. It's probably the other way, but there's only so deep it could go without there being this defense of like, but I'm angry, <laughs> but I'm protected, you know, like who's that fucker doing that haha thing? No more of this silly shit. You pull them in through a narrative that says, no, I know I'm being silly, but I'm like you. I'm really upset. I've been shat on. I want to quit this. I hate this. I've been tempted and I'm choosing to be this way. Then you're making a good sale. <laughs> then you're making a good sale on them, you know? Then they're going to buy the car. And then when they laugh and then they then when they say fucking sausage lines or they chant against Satan, then, you know, they know that I'm not some freak. They know that I'm someone who's been on a journey and arrived at this place and maybe it's somewhere they might want to go to. If you want to go too, you can find Ember Knight's comedy at all the usual places, including Reddit. Just look for her name. And she has other projects you should check out too. She's about to finish a record called The Disappointment Cowboy, and she just came out with a film called King of LA. Until next time, I'm Chris Greenspawn. Thanks for listening to The Vacuum Seal. I know you've got a fancy sausage. I know you've got a fancy sausage.